Hello, wounded healers. How are your beautiful souls today? Feeling good? Feeling okay? Feeling crappy? I mean, all of those are acceptable answers, but I'm really glad that however you're feeling, you decided to join us today. So you have stumbled upon conversations with a wounded healer. I'm your host, Sarah Buino. I am a psychotherapist in Chicago. And this podcast is a conversation about the intersectional journey of healing self while caring for others. So a couple things I'd like to tell you before we get to our guest today. If you want to connect with me, the best way to do so is on Instagram. My handle is at headhearttherapy. I have made so many amazing friends on Instagram, and I would love for you to be one of them. (laughs) To support the podcast, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcast. Doing the little five-star thing is amazing, but if you are willing to type something in there, I swear, if you write something that makes me laugh, I will read it on air. And then another way you can support the podcast, if you have the financial means to do so, would be going on Patreon and finding us there. Patreon is a place where you can donate to artists or I don't know, like whoever. I mean, anybody can make a Patreon account and you could just give people money for nothing. But if you love this podcast and you have the capacity to donate financially, you can donate as little as a dollar a month. And if you join, I will send you a little gift, a little hello, thanks for being a patron gift. So now let's get on to the interview stuff because that's why we're here, right? So today's guest is Dr. Sonali Deepika. She is a lifelong learner who, after practicing psychiatry for many years, decided to pursue her passion for holistic healing in support of the embodiment of the soul's purpose. She discovered this work while living across the globe and found the greatest journey to be that of truly coming home to her body. Her heart-centered calling is to guide others on this luscious, magical path to connect to their sacred ground. So please enjoy this really sensual conversation with Dr. Sonali Deepika. Sonali, welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Hello. Hello. Thank you for inviting me here. Absolutely. <laughs> I am really excited to hear everything you've been up to. <laughs> yes, yeah, since we met Six years ago or something like that. Yeah. 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 Well, well, how about we start with you introducing yourself and telling people more about you? Okay. My name is Sonali Deepika. I have a very, very long last name, so I'll leave it at that. And I'm trained in Western medicine. I at one time have had three board certifications. I've done general psychiatry and child psychiatry, and I had out certification in integrated holistic medicine as well. Um, But (laughs) I changed paths. I changed directions about four years ago now. So I left my job and my life in Chicago, and I went on this kind of adventure looking for deeper ways of understanding holistic healing and that led to a coaching program. And now I'm working as a sensuality coach. So I love it so much. <laughs> I love it so much. And I'm actually curious because so we met at a retreat with Susan Lipschitz, who is my former therapist. And I'm curious if that retreat had anything to do with this expansion, this opening for you. You know, that's a great question. I, I really think that it was a part of it. It was a part of those last couple of years when I was in Chicago, a year and a half or so, because I think it was like a little over a year. 
And Susan, especially because I had been going to her 13 moons, like monthly Mm -hmm. women's circles, and they were so rich. And we were just getting into so much of this very holistic way, this very spiritual way of understanding our paths. And so, yeah, I think when I said yes to that retreat where I met you, it was part of this whole process of like some stepping stones Mm. that were coming into place. Absolutely. I love that. Well, let's take a tour of Sonali's life. And (laughs) I'm curious first, what led you to become a psychiatrist? Mm -hmm. And then like, I'd love to hear more about the internal process and, and the shift into becoming a sensuality coach. All right. So I had no intention of becoming a psychiatrist. Really? Like, I'll just go life. to medical school on a whim. <laughs> I, I wanted to work with children and I had a passion for pediatrics. I really like entered medical school thinking I'm going to be a pediatrician. My father is now a retired pediatrician. And so I'm sure that had you know something there, but it was also children. There was just something about working with children that I was really drawn into. And everything was lining up. I just have to say, because sometimes, you know, when things just take a turn, and we'll talk about different turns in my life, but when things just, you know, shift. But before the shift, I got assigned to this really lovely female pediatrician working in the Chicago suburbs. And I was going to her office and there was this point of like, this is what I'm going to do. And this is the life I want. And I'm going to work with kids and all this stuff. But as your podcast is about our wounds, sometimes our wounds that open us up to different ways of healing and things like that. It was two years into medical school that my younger brother took his life. So this was like this immensely, profoundly tragic experience for me that it really did come out of nowhere. Yes, he had some, like we can look back and after it happened, like, okay, yeah, there were some things, but on the whole, Mm. my parents and I had no idea that he was in as much distress and suffering as he was. So that happened. So that was the turn. Like everything changed Mm. for me in my life. I was in medical school, not doing great, like academically grieving, trying to just figure things out. It was a year after he died that I was on. We go through different rotations in medical school to learn, you know, like family Mm -hmm. medicine, internal medicine, pediatrics. And it was exactly a year after he died that I was doing psychiatry. So that's when things shifted for me in terms of my path and like what I wanted to do. It was during that rotation that I even learned that there was an actual specialty in psychiatry for children and adolescents. Mm. So it did surprise me all of it at the time. It was also like that combination of me going through my own healing and then figuring out how do I want to help others? It was very much tied to this wound and like, how does that draw us? How does that inspire us on our journey? So I got to go through that rotation and really had a good experience with it, both with working with adults and then the experience I was having with children and adolescents. And it really became clear to me at that point that, yes, I still wanted to work with children. I still wanted to work with children and with youth, with adolescents. 
but I felt really drawn to helping in this way of their emotional, behavioral, their identity development, like all, all of that felt very powerful to me. Yeah. Well, and then complete change, right? I'm guessing that you're working with adults now being a sensuality (laughs) coach, right? So help us understand, you know, what led you were, like you said, you were working in Chicago and doing the psychiatrist thing. And then what happened? (laughs) And I mean that in a good way. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know. I sense that. (laughs) But I, and of course, nothing against psychiatry. I do think it's one of the, it's a feel that without it, we'd be really missing a huge aspect of a person's healing, you know, that's Mm -hmm. not addressed very well in any other way. But for me, what happened was part of it was just getting burned out and not being able to keep up with all the admin and these other things. Like I still like so much like sitting in a room with people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Right. Imagine that. (laughs) that. Wow. What a concept. (laughs) I guess, especially now when not as many people, I think in mental health, the ones I know are it's remote, you know, kind of thing. But I, oh, yeah. and this kind of relates to Susan and that work and other mm-hmm. things I was exposed to because I met Susan through another woman that I met in Chicago who was an Ayurvedic practitioner and a yoga instructor. And she and Susan had ties. So Susan had come to a some session to do, you know, what she does, like Mm -hmm. with with all the women. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm coming to the 13 moods, you know, but all this started opening up for me and Ayurveda especially, it's so holistic and it's Mm -hmm. a totally different paradigm than what we're dealing with in Western medicine. It's so much about like, how good does health feel, right? Like, why do we want to feel healthy? Like, what does that feel like in our bodies to feel healthy? And all the different characteristics, the vibrancy, the energy, our mood, feeling inspired, like that's all part of being in good health. And the other model that I had been indoctrinated into was like, oh, if you don't have symptoms, you're healthy. You know, but it was mm-hmm. like, it got to the point eventually because I was studying Ayurveda. I went to a couple of different trainings for that. I was doing what I could in the US. I mentioned that integrative holistic medicine as well. I went and did that. Like I was doing things, whatever called to me, whatever, you know, excited me, I was doing. And then it came to like, there's such a disconnect to go into an office and talk to people and have this DSM manual and like, okay, what are symptoms? And, you know, because mm-hmm. this is how we have to do everything and code it. And this is how all of our treatments are based. This is how the medications are prescribed. It's all based on that. Yep. It's not so much about what brings you joy. <laughs> like, what you, right. you know, like, how do we help you to feel better? What changes need to happen so that your life is exciting to you or at least like gives you some pleasure or, you know, something? Mm-hmm. So that was going on for a while, (laughs) being like coming and trying to figure out how am I going to do this or how can I do this? Like I was trying to bring some things into Mm. the work I was doing. There were probably a handful of people who was like, are you Vedic, you know, like your doshas and Mm. let's try to do it. But it's, I know some doctors that have made that work, you know, and even people that I trade from. But for me, I think I just found it hard to be in the constraints that I was like put in and then try yeah. to do something different, you know, with it. 
So that was going on. It was like something needs to shift. Something needs to Mm. shift. So am I just leaving the job I'm in and doing some kind of practice on my own? Like I actually, I remember I was working, I was doing different things. I was working with a conscious business consultant who was Mm. helping me with like, well, what could that look like maybe? Or was I going to do some different kind of training? I really wasn't sure until my mother's friend, we had been in touch, but we hadn't been in touch for a number of months. And she sent me a message that was like this long email I still remember like one of these emails where I couldn't actually read the whole thing. So I started reading it and I'm like, I just knew my whole life was going to change with this. But she invited me to come to Sri Lanka. That's where my parents are originally from. And they had these Ayurvedic resorts. And she's like, come here. You can learn here. We have like a little, like they had like a three-week training program and you can do work here and you can explore your roots. And that was just like, okay, I'm doing that. So that led to me leaving everything, <laughs> just deciding yeah. I'm going to explore this. I'm always going to explore this and see how that works out. So I went on, it was just night and day, just in a different country and different, yeah. it was very much fish out of water a bit, but also like excited to be there and, and connect with family and all those kind of things. And what ended up happening is that the Ayurveda, that just after a while of trying to be, it was a beautiful resort and they're doing good work there, but it wasn't what I was looking for in terms of really being holistic and really incorporating Mm. like the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, everything, you know, like it wasn't quite happening for me. So there was a period of like, pondering a little bit, (laughs) just like wondering, what am I doing now? What am I doing Mm -hmm. with my life? That's come up many, many times. Mm -hmm. When you leave, especially when you leave something that's familiar, it's like that kind of questioning. But I found the teacher who is based out of Los Angeles, Layla Martin is her name. And I did one of her, like a six week or an eight week course that she had, and it was called Oh Bliss. And so this was the beginning into this sexuality mm. piece. The part of the holistic health that I hadn't really explored mm. or really looked at much at all, all things considered. And even when I've talked since to some psychiatrist colleagues and stuff, we don't we don't get a lot of training in even just some basic things in psychiatry related to sexuality. Same I mean, in therapy too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to really pursue that get some extra experience with it. So this was, again, I think along those lines of like, I wouldn't say it was a huge wound, but it was like me exploring in my own body and learning a lot. And then that leading to this kind of opening as far as, oh my gosh, this has been missing (laughs) for my whole life, basically. And learning about how powerful that connection is to our sexuality and our sensuality and our power and how we kind of show up in the world. And that part of it was really life-changing for me. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm thinking like from a chakra perspective, Mm -hmm. a closed second chakra, you know, being very much like, you know, void of sensuality, pleasure, creativity, that sort of thing. And then like, I just envision this like opening. Did you have any like visceral like kundalini or any experiences like that? (laughs) I can't say I had like a kundalini awakening, but it was kind of like this hose 
you know, that has a lot behind it that's been closed. Yeah. It's like, you know, starts to open up and then, yeah, your flow, your just flow in life, your creativity, mm. your expression starts to open up in a totally different way. And it was a lot of that inner journey for me of like having operated so much from my head, you know, so much from thinking, the cognition, the intellect and all of that. And finally it's like, oh, wow. There's a lot here that I have an experience that I hadn't explored, you know, so mm-hmm. that felt very powerful. And that started to guide the rest of this kind of journey because it became about what does my body want? Like, where do I want to be? And I I came to Mexico for a retreat from well, from Sri Lanka. I went to the U.S. briefly and then came to the West Coast of Mexico and then that was the time I said yes to the coaching program. I had applied, but I hadn't decided. And then I was kind of like, okay. At first I thought, no, I'm not doing this. I don't know what this is. This is totally foreign to me and I have no idea. But then by the time I finished a week, it was like, oh yeah, this feels really good. Mm. And that led me to this town that I'm in now because I visited a friend here. So I'm not saying there were periods, there were rocky points and just like, when you're leaving, it's like shedding layers. It's just like shedding so much. And I, I had put so much into medicine, just time and energy and money. And money. <laughs> All of that. Yeah. So. Something I've been thinking about a lot lately as I've dug into anti-racism and stuff like that is just how white the medical system is and the whole compartmentalization and diagnostic and all of that is so mental and so devoid of any sense of intuition, mm-hmm. right? And you flipped to the complete opposite side of that. And it's our culture needs to infuse both, mm-hmm. right? Like from what I'm seeing, we need to integrate that, right? And I'm sure obviously you didn't lose all of the all of the knowledge that you had from your psychiatry training and your and your experiences, right? So I'm just curious if you have any thoughts about the integration of, of those two pieces. Mm-hmm. It's such a good point. And um I think that's one of the things that really drew me on this path once I, you know, got into the sensuality piece and then was doing the coaching and everything because Like the school that I was part of is the Tantric Institute of Integrated Sexuality, but integration in a larger scheme, not just in sexuality, but just in your whole experience is so much a part of that. And I think that for medical education and for medical training, it's going to be so important at some point for it's not just, I find that medicine is just so much the patriarchy. Like it's just... Thank you. This is how it's run and it's this way. And I faced it all during my training and all these things. And we need some of the feminine energy Mm -hmm. in there. And there's a lot more female doctors now than there ever were, which is amazing. And like I was there too, and but you're still in that other construct. So it's not like you're a woman Mm -hmm. and you're in medicine and, and that's appreciated for that kind of energy that you bring in or that more of the sensing and more of the being Mm -hmm. really present with things. And it's not all the intellect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know how that shift's going to (laughs) happen. Well, what's coming to me right now is that the patriarchal, which I kind of put like 
the patriarchy and white supremacy like really intertwine because you can't really separate them. So I think about the patriarchal hierarchy, like they want the body to be a machine Mm -hmm. and the body is not a machine, right? Like two people can have the same things happen to them, take the same drugs, do the same shit and their bodies will respond totally differently, right? Like that part that you're talking about, the sensing, Mm -hmm. that's the piece that this whole sort of like medicalizing of our healing, it just doesn't work. Oh, it's so true. Like, as you're mentioning this patriarchy, white supremacy, what comes to mind also is Resma Menachem's work, my grandmother's mm-hmm. hands. And yeah. oh, I find that so groundbreaking and, and how he really gets at like what is held in the body, what's mm-hmm. held like energetically, what's held in the DNA, like what's held. Mm-hmm. And that defies what we learn in textbooks in anatomy class or when we're in, you know, any of the classes, frankly, it's like, right. They're very research oriented. Not that that's bad, but just, it's like you're saying of a bringing both in like, okay, we can have Mm -hmm. that, but can we also kind of look at a person and their history, their trauma, their ancestry and like their spiritual makeup, you know, like what's going on there and, Mm -hmm. and understand in a much broader way. Yeah. And we're going through these sorts of things within the therapy field, right? Mm -hmm. Like evidence-based practice. I'm sure that's the term in medicine too, right? Like evidence-based practice and it's all manualized. And it's, again, it's this kind of like trying to make the brain a machine, trying to make emotions make sense that they don't fucking make sense. That's why they're emotions, (laughs) you know? And we've lost the relational pieces Mm -hmm. of therapy, right? And it's not like the whole field is like that, obviously. Mm -hmm. We have to really go seek it out because this is not not the training that grad students are getting when they decide to become a therapist. They're getting CBT and sometimes DBT. And I was thinking today, actually, I would like to create, don't steal this, TMTM. Not you, the audience. (laughs) I don't know why. I listen to this other podcast. They do that all the time. They'll be like, I have an idea. TM, TM, TM. But of creating like, you know, the whole iceberg thing about therapy, whatever they talk about, like, you know, the person tells you this and then there's all this stuff underneath. I was thinking there should be like an image of an iceberg and different therapeutic models and how deep they go. And like CBT is at the fucking top, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I live in the models that are like, way deep underneath the water. Like that's where I want to swim. I love that. And I I do have to say just from what I experienced in in psychiatry and different settings that I think that because I get it too, and I felt it also like CPT, it's like thoughts, behaviors, you know, it's like up here. I do Mm -hmm. think when, when you get someone very skilled, who's going to sit with someone, like it can go deeper. A lot of these modalities can go really deep, but that's where it takes, you know, the mm-hmm. skill with how it's being applied and how someone is, you know, able to sit with another person. Okay. Well, you don't have to hate CBT as much as I do. That's fine. <laughs> Actually, I have a friend who he keeps, he'll, he'll argue with me every time. I'm like, I really need to have him on the podcast so we can fight about it because I just, you just can't convince me, but I hear you. <laughs> I can give curiosity to how it might go deeper. I'm so judgmental. Honest. Let's just be honest. I'm just a judgmental bitch. (laughs) I was never very good at it. So it's not like I'm saying it from my 
my expertise already. Yeah, yeah. And then I had these colleagues that they were able to go deeper with it. And I'd be kind of like, like I'd give people like, oh, can you write this thought record and stuff? And mm-hmm. it just really was, it wouldn't go very far, you know, mm-hmm. even though it's, I know it's the probably one of the most evidence-based of like our therapies mm-hmm, and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm just offering different perspectives. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. JK. No, totally. Totally cool. Well, I'd love, so a couple things, and I, I want to hear more about like what is a sensuality coach? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. And then I also want to ask you about the term healer and wounded healer and all of that. So, oh, I see your eyes light up there. Would you like to go there first? <laughs> yeah, maybe I will because Okay. So, how do you feel about the term healer as applied to you? Oh, that's so interesting because I do think about my journey as like healing, you know, oh, can be medical school and then this other holistic things and then sexuality mm-hmm. coaching and all these things. I don't think that I ever say I'm a healer. Sometimes though, I have referred to others as, oh, these are healers or, you know, I get the term, but I also think that there's something a little bit, the word that's coming to me is arrogant. (laughs) That's the word that's coming to me about calling myself a healer or, you know, thinking that we are healers because the healing is happening in someone else's body, right? Mm -hmm. Or in their system. Mm -hmm. I don't think I call myself this a lot either, like just if I think of who I am. But what came up in this more embodied work that I was doing is this idea of really holding space. Mm -hmm. You know, so I do think that we can almost like very scientific now, but like a Petri dish and there's something that needs to get repaired in there, but we're just like if you provide the right conditions, it will happen. Yeah. You know, like you don't have to do anything, but you just have to provide the right conditions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the healing happens. I don't know. I'm sure I've used the term or it's come up, like it's kind of common, but to really think about it and think, oh, I'm a healer. Like that doesn't sound great to me. <laughs> that actually makes me feel like, really? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it's all in the way that you define the word and our fears maybe about how other people define it, because, Mm -hmm. you know, what you described, I would say we're all healers, right? And it's just a matter of whether you're stepping into that role or not, right? And when you look at it that way, that's not arrogant. But the fear is, and I've had this happen, like if somebody comes to you and they're like, oh, you're a healer, you're going to heal me. Like, I don't want any fucking part of that <laughs> shit because that is not my job, right? <laughs> that right away is like, nope. Yep. <laughs> not my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it brings up to me a couple of things because in this work I've been doing, sovereignty has become very important to me. And it's- Say more about that. <laughs> what I think about it is, that we are whole. When we are whole, we have that connection to whatever's happening in our body. You know, like this is in our sovereignty to kind of have that kind of empowerment, to feel embodied in that power that we have. Mm. And so when it comes to healing, 
I think this is where things can go awry a little bit. I mean, I see what you're saying too. Like we, we're all healers or we're all on that path of healing, you know, we're, we're all healers in some ways. And I just, I've seen so many times on this journey, whether I'm in it, in the medical field, in it as a professional, a consumer of, you know, a medicine or healing of different types where that power that is mm-hmm. ours gets projected onto somebody else. Right. And it creates this kind of codependency. Oh, now I need you to heal. Mm-hmm. That's just something that does not feel good to me at all. And I know, right. I know we're going to get in situations like what right away popped in my head is like, okay, you something happens, something's broken, you need a surgeon. Okay, so the surgeon going to do this procedure. But he doesn't heal the bone. <laughs> he heal the bone, right? He creates yeah. the conditions, just like you said. And I think I think it's just healthier to, to see it that way. It's like we can find people to help support us on our healing journey, but the power is in us. What that requires, mm-hmm. here it comes, everybody. They're waiting for me to say, to talk about NARM, because I'm obsessed with this therapy modality, all about complex trauma. So here it is. Here it is, folks. Agency. It requires a person to be in contact with yeah. their own agency. Yeah. And when you are a person who has struggled with developmental trauma, yeah. our own agency can be threatening. And so that is a big like bridge that we need to help build. And part of it, I truly think, is Again, white supremacy and patriarchy is kind of uh, suggested that our agency is not a good thing, right? Right. It's, yeah, listening to yourself, that's, no, that's crazy. That's your lone wolf. You're going rogue. Like, you need to do the things with the rest of us. And so, again, back to the marriage, right? Because we can't just do whatever we want willy-nilly all the time. We do have to coexist with other humans and nature, which we're not doing very well, right? So it's this. Right. Right. A reintegration of connecting with our agency, mm-hmm. trusting that and being able to discern between when do I need to listen to myself and when do I need to listen to the group? Right. And yeah, if we had more access to that as a culture, I think that idea of sovereignty would be more well known. But also I'm going to blame Christianity here, too. Right. Why not? Let's just throw I don't it. Know how you feel about that, but, no, but no. seriously, we, like I'm always trying to get to the root of something, right? Absolutely. Like, why is this? And you know, the idea of Christianity, and we need to be saved in order to be whole, and we have to have someone forgive our yeah. sins. That is the opposite of what you're talking about with sovereignty, right? The yes. exact opposite. Absolutely. So you heard it here. CBT sucks. Christianity, no. Christianity doesn't suck. It's the way that we use these things, all of them, right? Like religion is beautiful. Like therapy modalities are beautiful. We can use them for good or we can use them for evil or they can be negligent, you know, like it's, Mm -hmm. it's all the things. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Our sense of agency, how is that really fostered? It's like, we've got to do this to this. We've got to, we've, there's so Mm -hmm. many conditions. There's so many ways we learn, or this is how we have value, and this is how we matter, or this is how mm-hmm. we have our worth. And it's really going against that to kind of have that trust and like, we're okay. You know, kind of like all is well, and we're going to mm-hmm. we'll be guided to whatever we need when we need it. And, you know, we don't need to rely on anyone else. I mean, we can go for support. That's very healthy, you know, to have like community and all, right. all of those things, but not where we are 
relying in such a way. And that's what brings us our worth, our worthiness, our sense of value. Right. Well, there's codependency, interdependency, or like avoiding dependency at all costs. (laughs) Right. So we, it's just a balance. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about the term wounded healer? I mean, I like that term. I think for me, it signals kind of like what Rumi says about the wound is where the light enters. And and then there's even, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get the names right, but these these ideas in Japanese culture where it's like the break, you know, in something is like highlighted. It's like mm, special. Right, you know, right. Like, yeah, the, like the gold. gold. Yeah, the gold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is it? What is it? It's like when you, like when a pot is broken or something, yes. they paint it over with gold. Right, right. Like right in that crack, though, they paint that. They highlight it. They highlight the wound of it. So I guess what I like about it, I mean, does that mean that every healer or every healing person has to have some kind of something happen to them or, you know, I mean, no, I don't think so. But I think it's just been so relevant in my life that it's just guided everything. It's like, for whatever reason, science and because I did want to help others, whatever, I got drawn to medicine. But then the turns that came after that were really guided by like, oh, this is where I've hurt the most in my life. This is where I'm feeling the most. And this is what I'm going to like, that's going to be part of my journey. And also I'd like to be able to help others who are going through that same thing, you know, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. like a very, from a very empathic way of like, okay, this is tough. This aspect can be really hard or this can be really, can cause a lot of suffering. And, you know, as I learn, can I also help others? That's how I feel about being a therapist too, (laughs) right? I'm just learning shit and I'm telling y'all what I know. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I do think it makes such a difference when I've been with people where I know when I'm talking, like they get it. Yeah. They don't even have to say that much, but I just know that they understand. So it's our own like, kind of our own like hero's journey kind of thing is like mm-hmm. we take that and we do some good with it, you know, <laughs> like help right. people. hopefully, yeah. hopefully. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's hear more about what your work looks like. The work is definitely evolving <laughs> as it does Always. when you go into something. I went from like such structure and such confines and like a DSM and here are the drugs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I went yeah, yeah. that kind of work to like, oh, what do you want to do? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> exactly. I have spent, after doing the coaching program, I did spend a couple of years like one was being a mentor for that program. And then what last year was being a teacher. And so that has been a big part of just deepening into what this work is and embodiment practices and guiding people through them and learning how to support people in a, in a just a different way than I have before. And for my own work, what I've done more is like different workshops, which I've really enjoyed, you know, that are just shorter. What I like is that I have that freedom to be inspired by something that's going on or something I've seen or something, you know, that I'm like, okay, I want to offer this. This latest one is about sensual sovereignty. 
So this is kind of like my my passion now is to really, it's what I was talking about with sovereignty, but also the central part being really bringing this into the body. I kind of have this mission for myself of like guiding people to embodied love, liberation, and the license to expand the expression of their true essence. Like this, you know, as we can release things that we're holding, we get to be more of ourselves and more of our own mm-hmm. energy and more of our own essence and power. And I, I find that to be very empowering to work on it myself because it's a whole mm-hmm. thing, but then to guide other women into. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this workshop I'm going to do is about shedding shame mm-hmm. and reclaiming our authentic power. Mm-hmm. And it's been interesting just when I've stepped into this way of working and, you know, just kind of being present to what's there. I noticed, like I noticed as soon as I said, I'm going to do this workshop that I started to experience, oh, shame and Mm. triggers and different things were going on. I was like, oh my gosh, it felt intense (laughs) at times. But it's also, it was also like, this is it. This is kind of like just embodying this ongoing wounded healer kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. not like wounded, like I'm not functioning or whatever. I mean, not that Mm -hmm. I've not had low points, for sure I have, but it's more like being a space for like things to come in that are going to help Mm -hmm. with how to help guide others or hold space for others. Mm. So is it all group work or do you do like one-on-one stuff too? I have done some one-on-one and I want to do more. I kind of wondered why am I not doing one-on-one, but I think having done so much one-on-one of a totally different, totally different modality, totally different way of Mm -hmm. working with people, I needed to like explore these different things. And and I like the group work has been really interesting, Mm -hmm. but now that I'm getting more clear about how I want to support and help others, I think the one-on-one will be very rich as well. And I am going to be starting a group program. So that I've decided will be for women of color. I'm really excited about that too. So it's more of the central sovereignty, but like a longer process. Mm. Or embodied liberation. (laughs) Wonderful. You have to give us all the details when you get that set. Okay. I will. Awesome. (laughs) We're coming to the end of the hour. Do you want to share with people where they can find you? So I'm on Instagram at I am sacred ground. And I also have my website, which is I am sacred ground.com. Those are the big ones. I'm not as much of a presence in a lot of other places like Facebook or whatever. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Is there anything that we didn't say that you, you want to leave listeners with today? Mm, I guess the thing that just is coming to me is that like, I've had this told to me already. Uh, in this process, like central sovereignty, like nobody knows what that is. What is it? You know, but I think what I want to leave people with is just that just because we don't know it and we don't understand it, it doesn't mean it's not worth like looking at. It doesn't have to be this, mm-hmm. it could be anything, but you know, like mm-hmm. you get like, Oh, I don't know that what, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there, but it's, it's the kind of thing where there's, I think there's so many things that's happened similarly to me that Like I wouldn't have understood at all had I not like, you know, wanted to take a look at that. Like the very first program I did when I was in Sri Lanka was called Oh Bliss. Mm. And like, 
I wouldn't have, <laughs> I didn't know what that was, you know, right? but it was at the beginning of that journey, mm. really connecting to our own bodies and our sensuality, our sexuality. And I guess there can be a lot there <laughs> if someone's yeah. willing to explore. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been so great yeah. to reconnect with you. And I, I've been watching your post on Instagram and going like, wow, just like <laughs> you just glow. <laughs> Oh, thank you. And not that you weren't beautiful before, but there's just something about this transition that you've made that just makes you so beautiful. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Oh, there is something about an inner process, right? Right. On and... mm. Well, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sonali, for being here today. And thank you all for being here today. If you'd like to learn more about Sonali, you can go to our website at www.headhearttherapy.com slash podcast. Thanks as always to Andrea Clunder in the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for our album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>